Welcome to NL Full Time. Welcome back. I hope you've had a very good summer break. I've certainly had a great one. Saw football come home on Sunday, but now we are back into club football. And the National League season starts again this weekend. So as always, we have our pre-season pod and we have lots of predictions to come. And who's going to look idiots at the end of the season and who's going to take all the glory and it's going to be a bit of a special predictions league this year. More on that later on. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me, we have, he's back for his fourth season, maybe, Rob Borrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, I think it's the fifth, actually. I think, we're into I think you and I... Season, but I don't know if you were in the first season with us. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. A couple of months in, I think I came on as a guest and then it kind yeah. of went from there. But it is great to be back and it just about feels right to be back now. I think when some of the pre-season games were kicking off, I was like, no, this is way too early. Summer hasn't really started yet, but um, we are back and uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, he, he joined us in a difficult second series, it is, and he's back for another one. Hello, Dickie Wharton. Hello, yeah, I hope it wasn't me that made it difficult. Um, but yeah, no, great to be with you again. <laughs> and of course, he was, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, I'm getting all, I'm still, my voice is still recovering from Sunday. <laughs> Joining us, he was on a few times last year. He's going to be a semi-regular on the podcast next year. Of course, we had Tom. Tom's going to be popping up every now and again, as is Chris Pratt. And we're going to have some semi-regular guests as well. But one of them is, he's from the Off The Line blog. It's Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Hi there. Thanks for having me again. It's nice to uh, be on a little bit more regularly this season. And uh, can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, so you can get ridiculed in audio form as well as on Twitter now as well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, let's get into it without further ado then. And we're going to start with our predictions for the National League. And is it pretty unanimous who's going to be champions, Rob? It is. I think for the first time ever, um, we, we've all gone for the same team. And, and, and it'll be no surprise to our listeners who it is. Um I think Adam Summerton in a tweet a couple of days ago summed it up perfectly. And he basically said, um, that's the BT Sport commentator, there is no valid excuse or reason why Wrexham shouldn't win the National League this year. Um, There's probably, just to flipping it, flipping it to the potential negatives, I, I guess if there's any reasons why they won't win it, it might just be that they're going to be everybody's cup final again every week um, because of the sheer size and consistency of the investment um and also because i think i dare to say i still think there are some doubters of the manager phil parkinson um but they're the two big negatives everything else is in their favor the size of the fan base um the general improvements around the club uh good strengthening of an already strong squad six players coming in and it is really difficult and hard logically to actually come out now at this point and say another team is going to finish above Notts County, uh, above Wrexham. You better change that. <laughs> well, I did. Um, I don't know about you guys. I did put, I did have a little think about it because a little bit in my head also said, what about Sully Hall Moors? Because we'll come on to them because they're strengthened so much. And like you say, the only way Wrexham won't win the league is if they implode slightly and, and possibly bad tactics from the manager because they have strengthened again this season. Rectum, I know Dickie's just thrown some odds at us. He's apparently Rectum are three to two favourites, so um, that is he's pretty unanimous. But Solihull, they, they, they 
wounded from that playoff defeat. They, they have strengthened. They kept Joe Sabara. They've lost Kyle Hudlin, but they've strengthened very, very well. We'll come on to what we think of Solihull shortly. But we're doing a prediction slightly different this year, Dickie, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we have, because we've actually thrown um, the opportunity open to our listeners, our followers, to um, pit themselves against us as well. So we'll still be having our own internal competition here um, between ourselves, but you are quite um, uh, open and able to come on, um, follow a link that I've been posting through our Twitter feed this week, um, and, and come on and, and have a go and, uh, yeah, take the challenge and see if you can uh, show that you know more than we do. Yeah, and I think you've said as well, Dickie, 13 of the entries that we've had so far uh, have basically put Wrexham down as champions, haven't they? Yeah, it's over 80% of the of the entries that we've had so far um, do have Wrexham down as, as title favourites, which, um, it, you know, it isn't any surprise when we, when we look at how close they came last season. Um, and then you look at the, the level of investment and, and you know that there's more there to invest if they need it. It, it. It's just, I don't know. I couldn't see past them personally. They're certainly my choice. Joe, did you and have a you... millisecond of doubt at all about Wrexham? Yes, yes. Um, I think I did a, an article earlier in the summer actually saying why they potentially could not win it this season. Um, I do get the concerns over the manager. Um, I do think that they are still a little bit too one-dimensional um, in that if you can stop, as we saw towards the back end, if you can stop Mullin and Palmer getting the balls into them, then, you know, where are they going to then change it? Where are they going to change up their, their game? Um, I'm still not wholly convinced with the midfield. Um, I know that's a crazy statement with all the quality they've got in there. You know, Davis, they've added Lee, they've got young, good set-piece player. But... I'm still. I just still don't see in there the sort of robust player that's going to break up play. And we actually saw last year that yes, they did have good quality going forward, but they didn't break it up enough, and they were a bit too easy to play against. And I would still have that concern this season. But as you said, with the quality that they've got, who they've added, um, you can't look past Wrexham. And just a footnote on Wrexham as well. If you think back to that best ever playoff semi-final against Grimsby, where they lost it 5-5-4, the defensive defensive display in that was shocking for a team supposedly so strong. So many goals conceded from set pieces, as well as obviously scored from set pieces. In terms of the detail, if you've been switched off from football all summer, Wrexham have added Jordan Tunnicliffe, Anthony Ford, Mark Howard, Elliot Lee and Sam Dolby uh, and Jacob Mendy as well. Four of those six from the EFL. The other two known quality players in Sam Dolby from Southend. Uh, Jake Hyde's gone the other way in that deal. Uh, And Jacob Mendy, um, what a left foot to supply the likes of Palmer uh, and Mullin um, and uh, and Dolby as well when when he's on the pitch. So, all the strengths is there in the playing squad uh, and the fan base. Well, they've been wanting it for years, haven't they? So uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, and and one final difference from last year. And the reason I think we've all ended up going with Wrexham last year, you had three solid cases for the title. Wrexham for the same reasons. You had Stockport because they'd had huge investment as well. Um, ultimately, it was the managerial change that, that helped them get across the line. Um, and Chesterfield, huge investment as well. 
and a very astute winning manager at the time in James Rowe. And, and we were kind of split three ways, but um, just about every prediction I've seen outside of our group and outside of our podcast is also for Rex. And a point I would add there on what Rob said is I think a slight difference is that we're going to see a full season of Palmer and Mullin together. Obviously, Palmer came in later in the season. Um, and yes, obviously, Stockport won it. But I do question, would Stockport have still won it if Palmer and Mullin had been there all season together? I'm not quite so sure. Um, that could be an argument you could have. But yeah, the fact that they'll be there together from the outset, they should have some goals there. Yeah, I know I, I mentioned Sully Hall as one of my sort of closest challenges. So I, I think, obviously, we're going to go for playoff winners. I think they're going to win the playoffs this year. Rob, is, every, is that the general consensus or have we got different options? Well, this this is nicely split. Two of us have gone for Notts County. Two of us have gone for Sully Hall Moors. Joe, um, you've also gone for Sully Hall Moors. What's your thinking there? Yeah, um, obviously they got to the final last year, um, and I think they've actually going. I think they actually go into the season with a stronger squad than what they did last year. Obviously, Absolutely. they have lost. Um, they have and a lost. bigger squad as well, Joe. Yeah, I mean, at times we saw that last season where you know when a couple of players no. were out, then the actual quality they brought in off the bench wasn't as good. But they've got a bigger squad. They've lost, obviously, Harry Boys and haven't really seen a left-back come in yet to sort of fill that void. Um, but uh, obviously, they've lost Hudlin. And I actually think they go into the season with a stronger strike force than when Hudlin was there. Um, Ardley's a good manager. Um, and isn't it just set up that after all the rolls of the dice that Notts County have had to get a manager... The one manager that stops them going up in the playoffs is their old manager that nearly got them promoted a couple of seasons ago. Um, so I think Solihull, I think they've had, they've the fact they've kept Sabera as well, that's a big thing. Um, you know, they know how to win football matches. And one thing we said last year is can they just be that little bit better going forward? And I think they will. There's no reason to doubt that Solihull Moors will be able to consistently achieve the levels that they have achieved. Just take issue with the statement that you both made about Solihull Moors having a bigger squad. I don't remember exactly what size their squad was last year, but I'm going to dispute it. I've kept a track of the squad sizes and I believe only Borehamwood and Woking have got smaller squads. I think Solihull Moors have got 19 stroke 20 players. Um, the average in the division right now is 23 and the highest, the biggest squads are Altrincham, York and Wrexham with 27 although Altrincham might dispute that because four of those players are, are youngsters who've been given first-time pro contracts and possibly not squad numbers. But, um, but yeah, it's not a big squad, Solihull Moors. I would make that point. Dickie, how are we looking in terms of what the, the general public have uh, voted for playoff winners? Uh, let me just call it up. Right, let's have a look. Our playoff winners... Um... We've got 37, well, the biggest, the biggest one is 37.5%. Um, so six out of the 16 we've had cast are for Solihull. So they are um, favourites with the public at large for that. We've got some other ones in there as well. We've got Notts County. They've got three. They're the next biggest one behind them. Um, and I suppose I'll mention some of the other teams we're likely to come on and mention now um, in that we've got we've got two for Wrexham, obviously two people who don't think Wrexham are going to go up automatically think they will win the playoffs. 
Um, there's Southender in the mix as where Chesterfield are mentioned. And we've got a vote for Oldham Athletic as well. Dickie, for those two or three people that don't think Wrexham will win the title, do you know which teams they have gone for? Is it those ones we've mentioned, Notts County? Uh, I, I, it's not easy for me to find out at the moment. I probably can find it out by, by the end of the pod, I would have thought. Okay, do uh, talking of uh, Solihull and Neil Adler, I know Dickie caught up with them. We played Delphin in a pre-season friendly last weekend, so Dickie had a quick chat with Neil Adler after the game. Neil Hardley, uh, manager of Solihull Moors, you first seen you, you know, Sodrew Torchy with Telford in your last um, pre-season game today. Happy with how things are shaping up? Uh, you always want more as a manager. Um, I was happy with intensity. That's our most intense performance um, of pre-season, so it was good. Um, we've been OK in spells throughout the rest of pre-season. Good at some stuff, not so good at others. Um, but today, you know, I thought if we took our chances, we'd probably could have put the game to bed um, and then obviously we've conceded two poor goals so there's always things you want to work on always things you've got to take away and say we need to be better at but we'll, we'll definitely take the fact that we've it's a step in the right direction physically Sure. You've added a few new faces this season. Obviously, some players have moved on from from last year as well. I think, in particular, I'm thinking like Josh Kelly's come in from uh, from Maidenhead. Somebody that you'd been looking at for a while. Yeah, but there was, we had a couple on our list that were players that we recommended to the chairman that we thought we could buy. Like if there was, you know, as part of a, a young sort of dynamic forward player that, that that might end up, you know, increasing his value a bit, like Andrew Dallas last season, and, and Josh was certainly one of them. And it took us a long while to get him over the line, but we feel full-time training is going to benefit him, and we feel that he's gonna he's gonna kick on. But obviously, he's only been with us a week, so so we can't expect too much too soon. Is expectation a, a problem for you now? In, in that, I mean, you smile yeah. when I ask you that question. I yeah. suppose you're used to that, but having gone so close last season. And you're, you're, you're nobody's dark horses anymore, are you? You, you, you? I wouldn't say, I would think for most people, would probably make Wrexham favourites based on budget, etc. But you know, you're not far behind. Um, yeah, that's a good sign because it shows we're doing something right. Um, I've had two playoff finals and a playoff before I got sacked in the last three years. So I'd like to think we can reproduce that. The thing we've got to get over is what happened at the end of last season because we know that that can can lead to not getting on getting going quick enough at the start of the season but we've kept the core of the players we know we can be a good team we think we've added the things we lacked last season so we think we're even better but we've got to go and show it in our results now so yeah it's going to be very difficult to beat 87 points it's going to be very difficult to beat 83 goals only seven losses there's a lot of stats in there that were pretty special last season Um, but we won't put that pressure on ourselves we'll just hopefully take from it that we know how good we can be and let's see if we can, can, can get to them levels again. And that was Neil Adlin. Just And just quickly, Dick, I know as well you mentioned it, Solihull do have a few injuries going into the season, don't they, as well? Yeah, they do. Um, they don't have Ryan Boot in goal um, yet. Um, they've taken Louis Molden on loan, so he was their goalkeeper. Um, so they're uh, presumably the injury that kept Ryan Boot out of the playoffs is, is still something that is uh, troubling him. I know they said Kyle Storer um, is still missing as well. You haven't got an especially big squad and you've got three or four missing from injuries. That does limit your options. I think it was that limitation on options which ultimately cost them promotion last season. We were at that playoff final, Rob. And, you know, 
when they needed a goal, they had to stick Callum Howe up front and put on Reese McNally, who's another defender, as a substitute and stick the pair of them up front trying to get a goal because Andrew Dallas had run himself into the floor. Um, you know, he had to go off with cramp. And and that just that thin nature of the squad really sort of exposed them at the end of the season. So I think they do need a little bit more, certainly, than they've got at the moment. But I'm led to believe that, that, that Neil Ardley is still you know, tracking people. So, And just specifically on that point up front, I believe Justin Donover is a contracted striker, but he's got a long-term injury. Uh, I'm not sure if he's back yet. Um, but the two key players they have signed, of course, Alex Reid, who's been on loan just about everywhere in the uh, National League over the last few years. He's there on a season loan and he obviously knows where the goal is. Uh, most recently, of course, um, at uh, Stockport and then out on loan from there. And uh, Josh Kelly, um, in some people's eyes, the player of the season in the National League last year, perhaps certainly the most improved player, the most eye-catching one. Uh, that'll be a big loss for Maidenhead, who we'll talk about a little bit later on. But Josh Kelly, a really, really good, intelligent footballer and, and somebody who can only help their strength in depth up front. Sorry, Holmore. Looking at, at the playoffs, and I think we've all obviously gone for different playoff entrants. I mean, I, I think Bourne Wood are eschewing for the playoffs, uh, I've, I've also put in uh, Halifax. Uh, I've, I think Southend will be a surprise one, but I think with the way they've recruited, they recruit from some of the better players from North and South, and they could surprise a few people this season. Uh, I've also gone for let me have a look, Bromley and Chesterfield. Yeah, and I think Chesterfield will sneak in, and I'll tell you why. I think they'll sneak in later on when we come to uh, the other predictions it was quite a difficult one I, I think not County will actually mix, miss out in the playoffs this year yeah we, I think Joe and I want to have a little discussion about Notts County which we can do in a moment because we've got alternate views on something but um, what I would say as a general picture from us as a team we've pretty largely gone for kind of five or six of the same seven teams to be in the top seven so you mentioned Southend perhaps as a surprise but all four of us have got them in the top seven. Um, all four of us have got Boreham Wood in the top seven as well. We kind of dip about a little bit with the likes of Bromley and Halifax. Um, we've all got Chesterfield in the top seven as well, and we've all got uh, Notts County, except yourself, Luke. Um, so you don't think they'll be in the top seven. I think they'll win the playoffs. And I think it's because, obviously, they've lost a couple of supreme attacking talents, but they've also bought... Uh, strikers, top strikers from the National League North, from Gateshead in, in McCauley, Langstaff and Sedwin Scott. Um, Now, the unknown with Notts County, it's a new manager in. Now, my impressions early on are that Notts County, who have suffered with inconsistency and a soft underbelly in the last couple of seasons, my little impressions that I've got of uh, Luke Williams is that he might just help them to add a little bit more steel. I think that they might just be a little bit more consistent against the lower teams, the lesser teams. Um, but that is only my impression. And Joe, I think you've got an alternative impression, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to judge. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of him at sort of first team level. So we are virtually going off what we've seen sort of videos, um, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, I don't think he comes across as perhaps forceful um, or as 
authoritative as you perhaps may perceive. Um, I think he does come across a little bit soft. Um, obviously, very well spoken, very highly thought of. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think it's until we see this Notts County team play a couple of games, you know, perhaps take one or two beatings, see how he responds to that. I think it's very, very difficult to judge. Um, but yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. If he lives up to his billing, um, then he's going to be very, very good. I think that was a criticism of him at Swindon, though, wasn't it, Joe, a little bit? So um, that's, that's possibly why I think I've chosen him not to go into playoffs. And plus, um, Scott and Langstaff did well in Ashley North, but it's a big step up for them. They've lost Kyle Wotton as well. Um, and also Callum Roberts has gone to Aberdeen recently. So I don't know. Do you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how the forwards fire. It, it's, it's going to be... They'll be pretty solid defensively, I think. It's how many goals they score and whether they can see off teams, basically. The thing I would say on that, Luke, um, that point is, uh, quite interestingly, I think them losing or getting rid of Callum Roberts, I actually think helps them. Um, because this, it looks like the manager and the club are very set about playing a you know five at the back, three in midfield. And I don't think Callum Roberts is good enough to play in a three in the National League. Um you know, he's not good enough defensively for that three. Um, whereas someone like a Ruben Rodriguez with his work rate is. Um, obviously, they've um, Notts County have signed two from Kidderminster, um, Badrami and, and Austin. I think Austin's better suited to that role. And I think what it does do is because you have so many options, it does make it slightly easier for Williams to say, you know, I'm going to pick this team this week, but I might have one or two players coming off the bench rather than having to tell, you know, seven or eight forwards, oh, yeah, two of you are going to miss out on the bench this week. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it could benefit them. And I think the actual overriding feeling from Notts County is they don't feel he's that big of a loss. Yeah, Dickie, like uh, like Joe mentioned, Eddie brought in Sam Austin and... and... And Bajrami, and, and they've been busy in the recruitment, haven't they, as well this summer? Yeah, they have. And I, I think those two additions might possibly have been made um, when they just announced that Ian Birchnell was leaving to go to Forest Green. So it, you, you look at that and think to yourself, that's a bit strange, you know, making sign-ins when you haven't got a manager. But it, it points to that model that Notts County apply to making their signings in that in the, the manager isn't the manager, the more the manager is more of a coach. Um, he obviously, you know, they have an idea of what sort of players that they want, and then the recruitment team go out and get them, and the coach coaches them in the way that you know he he wants them to. Um, I know what you mean about Callum Roberts. I think when I think knowing from what I saw of, of Langstaff and Scott when they played for Gator last season, I thought that. Roberts would be a good provider for them, but obviously that's not how it's uh, turned out. That probably might have been a factor as to why I went for Notts County's playoff winners and, of course, I've had the rug um, pulled from under my feet a little bit there. But I think they'll still be um, one of the most competitive sides in the division, for sure. Chaps, can we have a little look at Chesterfield? I think that's a fascinating one. Um, I've got their squad up in front of me. We've all got them getting into the playoffs. In my case, I'm just going to come out and say that I've got them getting into the top seven because of the size and the quality of their squad and not because of the manager, who I'm not convinced by yet. And I know he's been in football a long time and he's managed at a higher level. 
I don't think there was enough evidence of how good a manager he is at this level towards the end of last season. They did just scrape into the playoffs and, and they exited them at the uh, semi-final stage. There's been a fair turnover of players. Denton's gone, Weston's gone. Tyson, obviously 38 years old, has, has moved on. Stefan Payne has gone. Whittle's gone. Kerr, Rowley, Kellerman, McCourt, Hollis, Loach, Carline. Some very, very good players gone. And they've got three or four players on the transfer list as well. Like, like they do have. They're trying to get rid of, aren't they? So... Yeah, Mac- Lawrence Maguire, Aquasi Asante, Calvin Mellor and Gavin Gunning all could disappear at some point. Um, looking at the players they've brought in, Really interesting set of players, and this is why I can't ignore them for the top seven. Um, Brandon Horton, a fullback from Doncaster. Joe Cook, a chance on him from Bognor Regis in the uh, Isthmian League. Uh, Bailey Clements from Ipswich Town. That looks a good sign in Darren Oldacre, who uh, <coughs> caught the eye at Dorking Wanderers last year. Raheem Sheckleford from Maidenhead, so another one proven at this level. Michael Gayasi, who of course, famously scored that hat-trick for Dover in the uh, 6-5 or whatever it was at, uh, at Wrexham and really started to add goals to his game at the end of the season. George Cooper, a winger from Plymouth. Ollie Banks, they're excited about, signing from Barrow. Armando Dobra, another one from Ipswich. Lucas Kovalan, the keeper from Torquay that Joe will know well uh, back in the day. Mike Jones, and I'm going to let Dickie have the final one because he might be able to pronounce it from Matlock Town. Jesserun Uchegbillum is Uchegbillum. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of new players. He's a speedboat with no driver. So it'll be interesting (laughs) to see how he does it. It'll be interesting (laughs) to see how he does it. Chesterfield, I'm really surprised he's moved up to that level, really. And I won't be surprised to see him on loan at a National League North Club in this season. I don't think he's ready for that level, but there we go. We'll see. What do, we, what do we make, chaps, anyone who wants to have a say about Paul Cook? Am I right to just put a little question mark there at the minute? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. And I think even Chesterfield fans will tell you that themselves. They weren't overly convinced by him last year. Um, but he's a manager that's in the past has said, you know, if I can get my squad, then I will be successful. So now he's got to go out and do that. Um I want to see him focus more on the actual managing and the getting the team right rather than these off-field antics we saw last year with falling out with reporters and winding up people, etc. Um, the one thing I would mention there, Rob, you mentioned a huge list of players that have all left the club. And the one thing that I didn't hear at all was someone that had any pace. Um, and I think that's something that they've added this year. Lots of pace, um, Obviously, Luke said there about uh, the speedboat with no driver. Um, but in general, they've added lots of pace. You know, Armando Dobra, tricky. You know, they've brought in players that, you know, because the National League has evolved, you have to have those players now. You can't just go route one and, you know, hope to to get results that way. So I like the uh, the blend they've brought in, particularly that midfielder. I don't think they're going to lose m- much ball in the midfield with uh, with Banks and Oldacre. It's interesting because they're not names that jump out of the page. I, I think it's quite a massive gamble with the names he's brought in there. Um, and as we'll come on to in terms of managerial departures, I think he's under pressure to be one of the first to go because if they don't get off to a good start, he will be under pressure. And reading the forums, a lot were sort of still supporting him. 
And a lot of the reasons given were, well, Shimanga was out injured, but I saw him at Alchuan last year and it wouldn't have mattered if Shimanga had played because they didn't get the balls into the forward. There was no creativity there. And they looked lost They didn't compared to what they were early in the season. So I think he's got to get off to a really strong start, Paul Cook, otherwise he's under pressure straight away. That's a really good point. I don't think we can we can argue with that. Um, I was going to say he's been given the opportunity to put his own stamp on it this summer as well, hasn't he? So yes. he hasn't got that excuse of these are somebody else's players. He's he's been given the green light to bring players in. So yeah, it's on him now. He's been well backed, um, and uh, yeah, I think Chesterfield fans are rightly excited about the changes and some of the players coming in. Uh, so we'll have to see how that how that plays out. Um, Talking of Shimanga, of course, around about this time last year, just a week or two before the season started, Orenwood lost him, didn't they? And they uh, they did superbly well. They actually started the season very, very well, only fell away towards the end. Um, bigger fish have come in again this season to take one of the key players away from Orenwood late on. And that, of course, we've already mentioned, was Wrexham uh, taking uh, Jacob Mendy. But uh, looking at Orenwood's changes, I always... I love to see Luke Garrard's changes. He likes continuity. He tends to maybe bring four or five new players in each year. And plus, he's got he's got the FA Cup money to burn this year, hasn't he? As well in a, in his pocket, he can always hold back as well. You know, then if they need to go for towards the end of the season, I think the criticism is that they don't maybe strengthen enough and fade. But if he's got that bit of money, to, you know, to make that marquee signing, the X Factor signing, he could well do, couldn't he? And that could propel it's, them into yeah. the playoffs. Well, That's a good point. Them, that maybe into the football league, you know, it could make the difference in the finals or whatever. It could do. Uh, I think it's fair to say he's always very well backed by the chairman at uh, Borumwood, and uh, he does tend to get his man when he goes for them, Luke Garrard. And Borumwood, it should be saying, are continuing on the back of the FA Cup run, on the back of their partnership with Arsenal, with the ladies' team. They continue to develop that ground and that stadium and the, and the area around it. Um, and whilst a lot of people like to uh, sometimes have a little bit of a go at Bournemouth for the size of their crowds, they did average over a thousand last year for the first time, I believe. So it's still a very progressive club. They've lost Kane Smith and they released Scott Bowden. Uh, Clifton's gone as well. Comley, Danilo, Orsi, he returned from his loan. Uh, Jamie Record has gone to Yeovil. Frankie Raymond's gone. Uh, Connor Smith has gone to Barnet and Mendy, as we said, has gone to Wrexham. In terms of who he's brought in, it's probably more than he's brought in for some years. Eight new signings at Borehamwood. Dion Kelly Evans, proven at this level from Notts County. Alfie Egan, watched him have a, a, a storming playoff, National League South playoff final for Ebbsfleet last year. Uh, Lee and Love, who, uh, Dickie, you've often talked about on this podcast. That's a really, really good signing from Brackley. Danny Newcalves. <laughs> Danny Newton a forward from Solihull um, Moors and Danny Elliott prolific for Boston uh, George Williams from Barrow Eriko Souza from Grimsby and Zach Brunt what a lovely list of eight players that Luke Garrard's brought in I know Rob we've all gone for South End as well I mean my sort of the reason I've gone for it is I think they've done really shrewd business from the North and South they did a lot of that in January so that team's been together now for a good few months about a full pre-season together uh, and that's why I think it might just click for them yeah absolutely um, <clears throat> you know they've, they've been big on their recruitment since the new management team arrived at Southend and they had a big upturn in fortunes last year so there's every reason to suggest that 
that they'll be in the uh, upper echelons of the league this season. In terms of the players that come in, the ones that really particularly catch my eye are um, Harry Taylor from Barnet. I think he's excellent every time I've seen him play. They've also brought Wes Fongerking from Barnet. Uh, obviously, Jake Hyde's come into the to the reckoning late on as as Dolby departs. Um, but the big one for me, Dan Mooney from Altrincham. He's a quality, quality son. Still only 23, guys. Yeah, suffered a bit with injury, hasn't he, Dickie? But... Um... They've, they've made quite a few signings south end. I think they signed a few from Dartford. They signed Callum Powell as well, who came in from uh, from Kettering. Louis Lomas is coming from from Brackley. So it's it's almost like they have gone into the division below and, and cherry picked the best players from the division below. Yeah, Chris Ray as well from Banbury United. Um, he got twenty three goals and sixteen assists last season. So that's a a really big signing, uh, you know, coming in. That's a player from a higher level with progression, already good stats, progression, potential uh, to improve as well. And um, another one as well uh, from Hemel, Gus Scott Morris, the right back. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, Gus is one that I really, really think will be uh, good for them because uh, I did actually watch Southend live last year and that was the one thing that I thought they needed was a really good, solid right back right wing back and uh, Scott Morris was brilliant last year for Hemel. Um, I think it's very easy to, when you have all these new players coming in, um, especially from lower down the divisions, to say, well, will they make the step up? But the one thing that we've actually put in our preview is we don't need to say, will they be good? Because, I mean, people that look at our blog will know how much I'm a fan of John Still. And if John Still thinks they're a good enough player to step up, then I don't need to say anything else. Um, I think the whole structure there uh, now is conducive to them doing well. Um, and as you said, Mooney, um, fantastic player. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they'll be in the playoffs and I wouldn't write them off uh, perhaps looking a little bit higher than that as well, actually. I guess, Luke, we're kind of getting to the... Who's the odd team popping up here or there that we've also... Perhaps a dark horse, if you like. Um, and... One of the things that's been consistent through our, our, our thoughts so far, always massive for me, the manager. Is he a proven manager at this level? Has he proven at that club that he's at that he can do it? You know, Now, there are question marks about one or two of them, aren't there? Uh, mm. We'll come on to Halifax in a bit. There, you know, everybody rated Pete Wilde, but there's been a change there. So that's an unknown quality or quantity, and we'll come back to that in Halifax in a minute. We've talked about... Jury's still out a little bit with the, 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 the Chesterfield manager, with the new Notts County manager. Flipping that one round, for me, with some excellent recruitment in the summer, and I'm the only one who has gone for this team, but I think Mr Askey at York knows what he's doing. He's won this league before. He's set about fundamentally wholesale changes to his squad, uh, and I've got them sneaking into that seventh spot, and nobody else has gone for him. So... Either that's a brave, heroic decision, or I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll throw this to Dickie because I think York will be fine this year. I think they may even be top half, but his playoffs asking a bit too much. I've thought so. They're not a team that I've gone for. Um, I, I think you're right. I think with um, the momentum they had at the end of last season and, and particularly how many fans they were pulling into the 
um, LNER Community Stadium for those playoff games. Um, I think that's really helped build the feel-good factor around York. So I think they'll be well-backed in terms of support. They've got the change of ownership in that the York City Supporters Trust came in, purchased the club from Jason McGill. And I think they are good enough to be a top-half side, absolutely. But I think when you just look at the established sides in the National League, I, I don't think they've got quite enough to be challenging them. That's fair enough, chaps. You've got your points there and, and we, we get Joe's thoughts as well in a sec. One thing I wanted to point out about York that's very different from every other club in the National League. They have only kept six players from last season. That, to me, from an experienced manager who knows what he's doing, who says the squad they had would not have been good enough to compete well in this league. But just look at the list, and I can't read them all out because there's 21. The players they've brought in, Ethan Ross, uh, goalkeeper, of course, from, from Stockport. Ryan Fallowfield from Harrogate Town. He, he doesn't need any introduction, does he? Um, Alex Hurst uh, from Port Vale, 22 years old, undisclosed fee. Uh, Scott Bowden, proven year in, year out at this level. Scott Burgess has returned to the club from Grimsby Town. Alex Whittle, highly thought of left back. Linnell John Lewis has signed permanently. Mitch Hancock's. Gus Mafuta, Luke James, Manny Duku, I could go on. That is a squad full of new players, but a lot of new players that have proven themselves at this level. So it's a gamble from Askey, but I think he could uh, he could just have it right there. It depends how much you read into pre-season, but the pre-season hasn't been great, has it either, Dickie? I think they've lost most of the games. I know they, got, they lost 4-0 at Macclesfield a couple of weeks ago as well. We were three divisions below them. Yeah, they did. I think uh, I did. I spotted they had. I think they had a four nil win away at Selby Town, which is uh, probably two or three steps below where they are at the moment. Um, but goodness me, you know how many times do we see teams have poor pre seasons and then th- things start for real? You know, and and it's not. That's not how it pans out. You know, with players of the the the, the quality and the experience you've you've got there. Um, you know, it might well just be the case that they understand that pre-season is more about minutes and the legs than actually the results. And on the first day of the season, when it really matters, you know, they'll just click into that different mindset and and we'll see um, more from them. Um, But yeah, I think they will go well. I do think they will go well, but uh, my feeling was just not quite well enough to try and make it a second function on the bounce. Rob, I'm guessing... Fair enough. Joe, any thoughts on... Sorry. Sorry, Luke. No, you go. You go. You're hosting. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Have you got any thoughts on the art, Joe? Or... Yeah, I, I, I like the shout. Um, it's a brave shout, but I do like the shout. Um, I think Askey is a very, very good manager. Um, and obviously he has brought in some a good, as Luke, um, Rob was saying, a very good set of players. Um, I particularly like the full-backs, um, Fallowfield and, um, and Whittle. Um, they're really, really good players at this level. Um, I would have... Perhaps a slight concern, um, funny enough, over the attacking lineup. Talking of attacking options, Rob, I'm guessing, are we pretty unanimous in the top scorer? Uh, we're more than pretty unanimous. I think we are completely unanimous. And it's a shame, really, because it make, it's a real fun one to, to forecast. But um, I'm just going to bring it up and double check. But I believe we've all gone for Paul Mullin. We have all four of us. Um, so, you know, however many goals he gets, that's however many points we get. And that's a, a moot point this season for us. 
Um, what we should perhaps talk about is um, who might push him close. Maybe we can all pluck a player that might push Paul Mullin close this season from the National League. Anybody ready with one rolling off the end of their tongue? Joe Sabara. Yeah, I mean, he's difficult to stop, isn't he? he Shamanga. Shamanga. Shamanga, if he gets back to the farmer show last year uh, and Chesterfield played the right way into him, you've got, you got Shamanga, Sabara. Um, and who dare to write off the evergreen Michael Cheek? Of course, Michael Cheek. Cheeky, yeah. Cheeky little yeah. shout as well. But he won't want to go on, he won't want to go on like a 16 match run without scoring this year if he's going to beat, uh, if he's going to beat Paul Mullin. And that's, run, I, I mean, I put, I put Bromley's my other playoff team, and I think that reason is because of Michael Cheek, basically. So, yeah, and uh, Dickie, you've also gone for Bromley as well. And, and another team we should probably touch on and look at their comings and goings Luke and Joe, you've both gone for FC Halifax Town. I've left them out purely because I think Pete Wilde was a fantastic manager, and I really don't know yet about the new manager at Halifax. That's why I've left them out. But uh, uh, Joe and, and, and Luke, do you want to expand on why you've gone for Halifax? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if Joe will agree with me. I mean, Chris Millington stepped up from assistance. We already know as a club. And I was worried for them when they lost a lot of players. But then you look at who they brought in. They basically brought in Stockport County's back line, haven't they? Um, so they've recruited well from Stockport. And they also, um, who did they bring in last week, Joe? Can't remember who it is. Well, um, let's just yeah. we can have a look yeah. at their signings. They've got a dozen or so, I think. Uh, Jack Hunter from Gateshead, Sam Smart from Eastleigh, um, Jamie Stock from Stockport, uh, as well as Jordan Keane, uh, Milanic, Ali, and uh, Sam Minihan. Uh, Dizaruve from uh, uh, Tranmere, of course. He was on loan at Grimsby last season. Tyler Golden. Um, Angelo Capello from Sheffield United, a 20-year-old Belizean international. Festus Arthur, another ex-Stockport defender. Tom Clark, a defender from Fleetwood, and Rob Harker from Burnley. Tom Clark was the one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So some I good think, Jim, I mean, there's, there's some in there you think they're a bit of a risk, and then you think there's some really good signings like Clark, isn't there, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think that was a, a, a signing that really... Uh, Came as a surprise, the fact that he's dropped down into this level. Um, the thing, obviously, with the manager is, um, obviously, he has been there. And they, they did say at the start of the pre-season, you know, have faith in us. We know what we're doing. We'll bring in players. And he said at the start, we will have a couple of marquee signings. Um, and I think he's done that. Obviously, they've lost quite a few players. Last year, their defensive uh, department was the best in the league. Um, and they've strengthened brilliantly. I mean... To bring in someone like Minahan, so experienced with Stockport, having you know won, just won the league. Um, we talked about Clark. I think Festus Arthur is a fantastic signing, um, especially on a. I think it's a permanent deal um, as well. Um, and I think I actually put down Halifax to have the most clean sheets in the whole division, Rob. Um, yeah, no, that's Clark. understandable. Basically, with as as Luke says, going for for, for the old Stockport County backline. Um, I guess negatives, uh, as you rightly say, very, very good defensively last year, but a lot of that defence has now gone. Niall Maher, the captain, of course, uh, Tyrrell Warren, Jay Ben, 
uh, Swaby Nevin uh, and uh, and the big loss at Halifax Town, of course, uh, Billy Waters, who had the season of his life last year. Yeah, got to a good start for Barrow at the weekend. Um, so we're talking of uh, clean sheets. I know Joe's mentioned Halifax. I went for Bournemouth. I think they're very hard to score against, aren't they, Bournemouth? Especially when they go ahead. I saw we saw that last year. I mean, Rob, who else is uh, what else have we all gone for? Yeah, we've gone two and two. Two have gone for Bournemouth and two have gone for FC Halifax Town. I think the reason with the Halifax is is because of the um, because of the the, the, the defensive experience that they've brought in. I guess. Um, Dickie, what I the fans think, say? Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say what what are the fans saying on the clean sheets, Dickie. While Dickie's calling that up, just to finish off on the playoff teams, notable by their absence, and this is probably because they've been dogged with inconsistency the last couple of years. Given the investment, given the squad they've got, given the continuity, we should be talking about Dagenham Redbridge being in the top seven, but none of us have been brave enough to do it. And yet I wouldn't mind betting we'll all have them finishing between 8th and 10th. And, um, you know, that might just help Dagenham. Less pressure and expectation this year. Uh, for me, I'm surprised Darren McMahon's still there. I would have thought minimum last year he would have to take them to the playoffs. Maybe, just maybe the fact that they had a strong finish and missed out on, was it point or goal difference in the end? Um, you know, maybe has just given him another season. Dickie, you've got the answers, haven't you? I have, yeah. Um, in terms of defences, it looks like um, uh, the majority or the, the 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 one that most people have gone for is Wrexham again, um, with six out of the 16 so far. Boreham Wood, not far behind that, which probably isn't a surprise given their tight defence last season. We've got the thing of the fact that they've lost the two full-backs um, in that, you know, they've got to replace them and, and see how their replacements bed in. But, you know, you can see why people would go for Bournemouth in that um, in that particular section. Yeah, I even if for Wrexham as well with clean sheets. It was between them and Bournemouth, basically. Yeah, it's a fair shout. I just think one final point on Bournemouth, as you brought them up again, Dickie, um, if you get past that mean defence... You've then got to beat Nathan Ashmore, who I think most of us would agree is certainly one of the top three goalkeepers in the National League. It's like having a tree in goal, isn't it? I suppose when you get past the defence and he's, he's there, stood <laughs> on his line, isn't he? But uh, yeah. yeah, so we're going to, I mean, just quickly then, um, I know we've not made a prediction on it, but the two teams relegated into the National League, Oldham Scunthorpe. Now, I was kindly asked to appear on Oldham's podcast last week and straight away they said where do you think you're going to finish where do you think Oldham will finish straight away in my head I just thought 12th top half of the bottom mm-hmm. half they'll they'll do okay they've made some experienced signings but I think they're still inexperienced and I think with the new ownership they're in a transition period Scunthorpe have signed Marcus Carver um decided it's today as we make, record this podcast again I've, Heath Hill somebody who's managing the football league but never managing the National League he could be a good shout for first managerial casualty as well but equally I just think Oldham and Scunthorpe will be around the sort of top of the bottom half maybe slightly lower I don't know what you guys think there's a really good point to bring up about those two new clubs I considered them I think if there was one team that I considered out of the two to maybe scrape into the playoffs or near it I did consider Oldham Um, my doubt with Oldham is the manager, John Sheridan. And I know that he's a hero there and Oldham fans, a lot of them won't have a word said about him, but we have witnessed mm. him managing in this league for Chesterfield. And um, it was my choice um, along with Paul Cook, but I think with everything that's gone mm. on, I think they'll be a lot more patient with him, which is why mm. we'll probably won't be first manager of casualty. Like, I think he's actually just mentioned now that Keith Hill's got four 
of the 16 votes so far to be first manager gone. Yeah, that is uh, that is surprising, um, given his experience as a manager. But yeah, Oldham have, you know, they've got a quite balanced. They've kind of kept half their squad and they've added to it um, pretty well. Zane Francis, Angle, Liam Hogan, the title winning uh, captain from last season. Lois Maynard also, of course, from Stockport. Um, Chris Porter, um, back at the club, 38 years old now, but mm. goal every other game in his previous spell. Uh, Luke Burgess, a winger from Salford. Nathan Sheeran from Harrogate. Ben Tollett, if he can stay fit, he's a very, very good player at this level. Um, Magnus Norman, the goalkeeper from, from Carlisle. Jordan Windbath, Wind, Windass from, from Bradford Park Avenue. So they've signed quite well there. Interestingly, though, you talk about Hill. This always worries me. When a team drops down from the Football League and then they keep... 15 players mm. from last season, Scunthorpe. That's why I can't consider them to be pushing for the playoffs. Um, and they've added fairly well to that. But uh, 15 players that got relegated last season, the nucleus of their squad is yeah, a bunch of players that got relegated. Southend did that last year and it didn't work out well for them, did it at all? Mm. Uh, in the- no. So the relegation's in- intriguing in terms of our predictions in, in that we're not unanimous in one team going down. We've all kind of picked different choices, haven't we? Absolutely, Luke. Um, there are a few sides that maybe three of us have predicted to go down. Um, interestingly, year in, year out, I, I say do not predict Alan Devonshire and Maidenhead to go down. They're such an easy target every year. Um, and yet somehow, some way, he finds a way by hook or by crook to keep them up. But the standard continually improves. And I've thought long and hard about this. And for the first time in a number of seasons, I have got Maidenhead United just being in the uh, bottom three. So is Joe and so is Dickie. I mean, key losses, Joe, particularly with um, the likes of, of Josh Kelly, He's brilliant at pulling rabbits out of the hats, but can he keep on doing it year in, year out? It's going to be tougher than ever for Maidenhead, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, even with Kelly, it would have been you know fairly close because they only just survived last year. Um, and I think uh, losing Kelly is sort of the tip them over the edge. Um, I think um, I haven't seen a quality of striker come in that I think can replace Kelly's goals. Um, they have added one or two, and Devonshire will no doubt add one or two from the lower leagues that uh, that will do well. I like the signing of, uh, I think it's Temi Iwekwa from uh, the lower leagues. Um, I think he'll be really well suited to the National League. Um, but yeah, um, overall, I think uh, I think they will struggle. And that was perhaps one of the teams that I looked at and thought, do I? Because as you said, Devonshire's got a fantastic record of keeping teams, uh, or to keeping Maidenhead in the division. Um, but this year, I think uh, I think they will fall short. Adrian's actually ready to get the eggs off your faces at the end of this season. Well, it is difficult because that's what you lead. That you know, you know, they'll have their days where they'll party poop and they'll take out some of the big boys. They will continue to do that on a one-off basis. But um, they've got Clifton back. He went off to Boreham Did you know, he ended up being a finisher rather than starter, didn't he? And uh, uh, he he was the main man when he was at Maidenhead before. I think seventeen goals in that last season before. Warren would pluck him, but just seven new faces at, uh, at Maidenhead and Devonshire largely going with what he had last season. Uh, a, a club that I'm fascinated to, 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 to have the discussion with you guys is one which three of us have said might well finish in the bottom four. Um, 
but some of their fans have been quite bullish about their signings this year. Uh, and that's Eastley. Um, bit of a, an unknown with ben, since Ben Strevens went. We just don't know quite what we're going to get with Eastley. And I'm going to have to put my colours, uh, now my colours to the mask and say that I've gone for Lee Bradbury as the, potentially the first manager to depart. I wasn't impressed with the way that he finished the season last year. Um, and the conspiracy theorists would tell you that Richard Hill, who's still upstairs at Eastleigh, might still fancy coming back into the managerial position at some point. And that's the reason why I think you could have an itchy trigger finger. Yeah, and the signings haven't been exactly amazing either. I think I've gone for Eastleigh to go down. Um, Dickie, in terms of what the fans are saying, what, what are they saying in terms of relegation? Um, he, well, it's he, bad news for you, Robin, that um, of, of the votes we've had cast so far, um, 50% of them think Aldershot um, are uh, for relegation. We got 50% think Maidenhead are as well. Six out of 16 um, have Yeovil down and Eastleigh have collected votes from four out of the 16 as well. So there are, there are lots of other teams in the mix for that, I have to say. You know, you've got, um, I've seen Gateshead mentioned in there and they were certainly somebody that I, thought about um the fact that they've lost the two you know main goal scorers that they had last season um but i just think geographically and how strong they were last season and how well drilled they were under mike williamson i think they might just do enough to to not be in that relegation trouble i think they might flirt with it but i don't i think i don't think they'll go down um but yeah those those look to be the favorites um amongst the people who've cast their vote so far yeah, Yeovil. Chris Hargreaves has got a bit of a thankless task at Yeovil, I think, hasn't he, this year? He's kind of, they've got no money. He's kind of having to make lots of loan signings, young signings, and it's it's a tough job. And, and I know myself uh, and you, Joe, are seeing them struggling, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think when, in, in a similar way to in the past where I've tried to predict who I think will perhaps get relegated from League Two, um, you sort of look at the teams that have, you know, a lack of structure, um, and Yeovil certainly fall into that category. Um, lack of investment, um, and I think it could be one of those seasons in which all of their sort of problems over the last few seasons finally, you know, come to head. Um, I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Chris Hargreaves as a manager. Um, obviously, as a player, um, I love him. Um, he scored at Wembley to get us promoted. Um, but I do feel um, that uh, there are much better managers uh, in the National League um, and certainly enough managers to to mean that he's in the bottom four, I think. Has he got Timmy Mallet as his assistant as well? <laughs> Chris, Chris Hargreaves, of course, was one of the, 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 the managers who came on this podcast most recently. I don't know, Chris, if you listen to it now, you're bound to maybe, if there's one you're going to listen to, it's this one. Um, we wish you very well at Yeovil Town mm. and, and, and uh, you know, fair, for, fair, yeah. fair play to you. Fair exactly. play to for, for me, it's nothing against, it's nothing against Chris Hargreaves at all. I just think, I think whoever goes in there has got a really tough, tough task. Um, they have. He's, um, he's kept 10 of last season's squad. He's bought in 12. And if you'll just forgive me, just popping back, we kind of went very quickly off of Eastley. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're an Eastley fan, they might take exception to the point that you made, Luke, about not the signings are not that good. Every single one of them has come from an EFL club. Admittedly, some of those might have been released last year. Brennan Camp, obviously, he's been in loan at this level. He's, he's been released by Bournemouth. 
um, George Langston from Watford, Mag Homer from Gillingham, Cissé from Oldham, Charlie Carter from Stevenage, previously done bits at this level, Tristan Abrahams from Carlisle, of course he was on loan at Grimsby, Aaron Martin, Port Vale, Corey Pantaluton and uh, Nigel Atangana, I think it is, uh, from Exeter. Um, some of those players, three of them over 30, all with Football League experience. There's no doubt we can see mm. the pattern of Lee Bradbury's recruitment there. So, Rob, are you, are you going for easily going down there because of the manager rather than the players they've got? Um, I am, absolutely. I think, I think they've made some good signings there. Whether it'll be enough, I don't know. Um, and, yeah, I've just personally got a few doubts um, about Lee Bradbury. Of course, it's a difficult one to, to, to kind of rate and judge on what he's done previously because if I remember rightly, he got Haven up. Did he? Did he get? He went down with them and then got them up again. And I think, and then when they went down again, didn't they? So then they were two neither up nor down because I think he went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they call him the Duke, not the Duke of uh, York, but the Duke of Eastleigh, but um, of Duke of Haven rather. So yeah, we'll have to see. I guess um, on that score as well, um, we, we 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 can talk about Aldershot. Uh, two of you have gone for for them, Dickie and, and Luke. Could I give um, my I'm reasons, just, Rob? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Because, like, obviously, well, fifty percent of the fans have gone for Aldershot. My, my reasoning is Aldershot flirted with it for the last three or four years, and there's only so many years you can carry on. There's only so many times you can carry on doing it and getting away with it. And because there's four going down this year, um, I just think that Aldershot will be the fourth bottom. I don't think they'll be like below mm. the fourth bottom, but equally, it'll be one of these where they. Like Dickie's mentioned, Gateshead flirting with it. I think Aldershot will be in and around it, and whether they'll just have enough to get out of it this time, I don't know. That's a really good point, Luke, and it's very logical. And I don't think any Aldershot Town fan would argue with that. I mean, Aldershot Town have probably occupied twentieth or twenty-first place more than any other team in the last three seasons. Uh, they've briefly flirted with higher positions, but not long enough, not sustainably enough. Um, I think. I'm going to be honest with you and honest with the listeners. If we were recording this podcast 48 hours ago, I'd be more confident about Aldershot's chances than I am right now. And that's because any Aldershot Town fan will tell you that we've signed more power and pace up front this season. Effie Ong's come in, uh, Franny Amati coming up from Hazen Yedin. Yes, it's a two-step, um, uh, two-level step up, but that guy can create chances for himself. He can finish with his left foot, his right foot, he will very unlikely be at Aldershot for more than one season because that guy's on the way up. Um, so I think Aldershot fans feel that the team will probably score more goals. They have to, to be fair. Mark Molesley's remit this year is twofold. Last year, he came in, keep them up. That was it. This year, he has to keep them up and he has to entertain a bit more. He has to score a few more goals. The question mark for Aldershot and Aldershot fans at this point was midfield. Perhaps a little bit light, a little bit weak in midfield. And then, bang, 24 hours before we record this podcast, Jaden Harris, Aldershot's probably most consistent midfielder um, left in the current squad, goes to Carlisle in the EFL on a three-year contract and uh, undisclosed fee. All I can hope for, and Aldershot Town fans can hope for, is that that somehow frees up some room in Mark Molesley's budget to, to go out and and, and get a midfield general or two with the right level of experience or the right level of now to be able to make sure that, that Aldershot can perform in all three departments of the team or all four next season. Uh, Joe, you think Aldershot will be all right 
Um, I'll ask you this question. If you were doing your predictions again from fresh tonight, now Harris has gone, might they have been a closer consideration for you? They would have been closer. Um, they would have been closer. Um, but I still think they'll stay up. Um, I think, especially when I look at all the teams down there um, in my predictions, I'm looking at it and think, is there a goal scorer? You know, you, you saw last year Maidenhead, they stayed up. And would they have stayed up if they'd have had Josh, uh, didn't have Josh Kelly? Probably not. You know, the, the impact that having just that player that can get that 10 to 15 goals makes a huge difference. And I look at all the teams that I've got down there, Gateshead, Maidenhead, Wildstone, Yeovil. None of those four teams that I've got going down have got a striker that I think will outscore either Amati or Effion. Um, and I think that'll be the difference. And I think mostly will sign um, a midfielder, maybe two. Um, obviously, the fact he's got money in at this time um, might be very useful. I think he'll try to get in a, a loan player, um, perhaps look to use the loan market, get in a, a player from a higher division that perhaps needs a game. Um, and I think they'll be fine. All right. A couple of us have gone for uh, Maidstone and a couple of us have gone for Wheelstone as well. Um, Wildstone, a little bit like Altrincham last year, who I guess we've all got bang in the mid-table in their first season as, 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 as full-time this year. Um, with Wildstone, it's, it's a difficult one. I think they expected to be in the in the relegation fight last season, but they did it comfortably in the end under under Stuart Maynard. Um, and they've signed some 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 decent and recognised players, Sam Habergham and uh, Lewis Kinsella, of course, the all-shot captain from last year, amongst others. But it, it, it will get ever more difficult for any part-time team at this level, won't it, chaps? Yeah, absolutely. And I know it's Alton's first full-time season as well. And, and Dickie, they've lost uh, they've lost a lot of their experience. Fine, haven't they? That that could be where the question marks coming for Altingham. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I, I've certainly they weren't the team that I considered for the relegation uh, zone. But um, if looking at the the odds that I've got in front of me, and I should just point out from the start, other bookmakers are available. Um, yeah, Altrincham are one of their favourites to go down, and I can only think that that is to do with the transition from being part time to full time. Um, in theory, you think it puts you on a better footing because you know you're training every day, etc. But if you think of, of the players who've been the mainstay of of that effort under Phil Parkinson, not just to get into this division, but actually two successive promotions. They came all the way from the Northern Premier League. Players like Jake Malt, um, who's gone. Players like Tom Hannigan, who've, um, uh, you know, stepped away because they've they've gone full-time and it's not a a move that they want to make. I think that's going to be their their biggest challenge, really, is, is trying to recreate or rebuild some of that spirit and that core and and that that strong spine that they had um, uh, with those players there, with with a new set of players who, who are prepared to be to be full time footballers. And and Woking found last year that that first season going from part time to full time it can be a difficult transition, can't it? Um, you know, perhaps you know if you look at Alan Dowson, he was a popular manager, but he hadn't managed full time before, so it's a big change for him as well. Um, a couple of teams notable by their absence. We haven't mentioned them top or bottom. Let's cover them now. Let's cover the two sides from, from Surrey. Uh, Woking, I think you guys were buzzing a couple of weeks ago about some of their sign-ins. I think probably the, the reason that's held us back a little bit from, from, from suggesting Woking as a playoff side 
between us um, is is possibly um, the fact that they have a small squad. They they have, so far as I can see, the smallest squad in the National League with just eighteen players at the minute. They may complement that with some some youngsters. But um, Joe, your thoughts on on Woking? They've only kept eight players. Uh, obviously, manager came in towards the end of the season. Uh, Darren Sarl. He's kept eight of his previous players on. Uh, he's added the likes of Ethan Wadey, a keeper, Scott Cuthbert from Stevenage, Luke Wilkinson, he fought with him from, from Yeovil, Ricky Corboa, Rico Grego Costs, um, Jim Kellermans came in, who, who didn't continue at Chesterfield, one or two others as well, and no doubt the flagship signing for Woking, a real coup for the National League, Padre Garman. Yeah, um, I, th- I think um, I think Woking are up there. Um certainly are in my predictions. The only reason I haven't put them to get in the playoffs is because the likes of Halifax have strengthened more since since then. Mm. Um, I 100%. do like Darren Sahl. I do like Darren Sahl as a manager. Um, yeah. I know that uh, not many do, um, but I do think uh, he's a good manager. Um, uh, having spoken to people that have worked under him and played under him, um, and we saw in the first season at Yeovil when they got relegated, if he gets the squad he wants... He will have a good season, um, and I think they will have a good season. Another team who maybe you could look at being in a bit of turmoil are Barnet. I know I predicted them to go down. Uh, Maidstone, they're going to find it hard as well this year, just like they did last time. I think if they stay up, that'll be a big achievement for them. And Torquay's the other team. Torquay and Dorking are the other teams that we've not looked at. Um, I think Torquay will be fine. I think Dorking will be fine. What, what does everyone else think? Well, yeah, Barnet. A couple of people have picked uh, Barnet, you and Dickie, to to go down. I think um, uh, the manager there has has brought some decent players in, but uh, we don't really see Barnet troubling at the other end of the table. It's just whether they slip into trouble or not. Um, as far as Dorking are concerned, I think it's a compliment to Dorking and a compliment to the job that Mark White, the incredible job that Mark White has done. That none of us have put Dorking as finishing in the bottom four, despite being one of just a couple of part-time teams at the National League level next season. Uh, none of us equally have gone for them to make the playoffs. They'd like to go for continuity, and they're very often about establishing themselves at a newer level next season. And I think that's exactly what Mark White has done. Um, he's, he's only brought in four or five players to add to the pretty tight-knit squad that he's got there already at the moment. Um, and, uh, well, for Torquay, we happen to know somebody who watches them rather a lot, don't we, Joe? What do you think, Gary Johnson? Has he got enough rabbits to pull out of his hat this season? What do you think? Well, he certainly signed a couple of players or a lot of players so far in pre-season who we're hoping will be rabbits, players that have come from lower leagues, um, you know, perhaps faces that we wouldn't have expected him to sign. Um, I don't think we'll get in the playoffs um, and that's taken away any heartfelt uh, predictions. Um, I think it will be sort of a, adaptation season um, because we lost so many players from last year. We lost Lewis, Little, Lemony Evans, McDonald um, and the on the grapevine the rumour is that apparently quite a few of the players that have come in this season have finally been given two-year contracts by Gary Johnson and not one-year contracts. Um, I think we'll be mid-table. Um, there's a couple of players that have really impressed um, Shooter or Brett McGavin um, as we call him um, is uh, really, really impressed so far. Um, I do have concerns over the defence still um, because Ali Omar um, and Mark Halstead from last season, who were sort of the 
the fault of or the root of our problems at the start of last season have both been told by Gary Johnson that they will be starters this season. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they go. The one thing that I think is different and is the only reason why I think we could get into the top seven, even though I don't think we will, is Gary Johnson has recruited a lot of height. Um, he's signed three strikers who are all six foot three plus. He's signed Brett McGavin, who's six foot four, six foot five. Um, he has added real physicality um, and height to the team, something we didn't have last year. Um, I know, Rob, uh, you liked Corey Andrews last year for Aldershot. Um, hasn't hit the, the mark so far in pre-season. Hopefully he can uh, get the goals. Um, but if I was... Uh, to tip where we'll finish, I think it will be mid-table and uh, once again, just falling short. Why is Brett McGovern um, called Shooter, Joe? Because of the film, I'm told. Ah, right, I see. Shooter, apparently, there's a, apparently there is a film uh, with a character in it called Shooter McGavin. Ah, oh, Dickie's yeah. got his thumbs up. Dickie's seen that. Is it yeah. Blockbuster? Yeah, yeah. Or, was it Blockbuster or straight to video, Dickie? <laughs> no, no, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. It's the Adam Sandler one where he's a hockey player. He becomes a golfer. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. He's, yeah he's, uh, he's like the pantomime villain from that. It looks to me from the outside looking in that Gary Johnson has not been able to find the absolute nugget he wants up front, but he's he's gone for three or four and he hopes that some sort of combination of a couple of them will pay off. In Corey Andrews, I would say to you, Joe, and your dad, who keeps reporting back on Corey Andrews week in, week out in pre-season, he's one of those players. He won't necessarily stand out in pre-season. You've only got to ask yourself this. If he could score 10 goals in a poor Aldershot town side last season in half a season, then uh, he'll be absolutely fine for you. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. What Corey Andrews is very good at is finishing. And you know, you know, I can name players on one hand that are natural finishers. What you need to do at Torquay is create the chances for him and he will put them away. Um, one or two good signings, as you say. McGavin, I've always thought he's a classy player when I've seen him at Kings Lynn and someone that was going to move onwards, upwards, perhaps to a bigger club as he has done. Um, and you've still got some, some solid players and experienced players there in the likes of Asa Hall and Dean Moxie. Um, but uh, yeah, I've also got you uh, finishing uh, mid-table with Torquay. The and one I, thing I, I yeah. would add um, is I think it could be, he could be the rabbit out of the hat that we're looking for, um, is Dylan Crow, right wing back. Um, a couple of years ago, Manchester United, Arsenal, Borussia Dortmund, all in for him. Obviously, you immediately think, well, why is he now come down to Torquay? Um, if he had all that talent, if Jerry Johnson can get out of him what potentially clearly has, then uh, there could be that nugget there. If we've said anything that you massively disagree with, con anything contentious for you, hit us up with a, a DM or a... Well, funny um, enough, Rob, we're going to be doing a, a Twitter Spaces, hopefully, an NL full-time on, on Friday evening. So if you do want to take us to task, by all means, get your opinion across and, and to why... You, you disagree with us. And, and Dickie, what's the link as well, if anyone wants to get involved with the predictions? Because there is still time for him to do that. Yeah, if you look for it on our Twitter feed, I'll be sharing it a couple of times more uh, before the end of the week. But if you look for it uh, at, at NL full-time Twitter account, it'll be on there. Yeah, Friday, 7pm, be there, Twitter spaces. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to fans of all clubs from all three divisions. So it'd be good to have you along and, and have a good chat. That is it for the National League. Make sure you stay tuned 
our Nationally North and South podcast will be out very soon. <laughs>